Our brand new documentary is finished and we're ready to show the world. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. In a vast land of untamed beauty, hidden within its borders lie stories of unwavering faith and resilience. When the world was engulfed in fear, COVID-19, which is causing all of the concern right now, pastors faced an unimaginable trial. They were wrongfully persecuted during the COVID-19 pandemic, their voices silenced by oppressive measures. And we realized something doesn't match up. There's an agenda under the surface here. I cannot abide under their, their wishes. I cannot just abide this new norm, if you will. In the face of adversity, they held on to their beliefs, defending the sacred right to worship. Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Join us on an extraordinary voyage across Canada as we shine a light on the untold stories of these pastors who were wrongfully persecuted during COVID-19. Witness their courage, their unwavering faith, and their determination to reclaim their voices in the face of adversity. I'm not going to let those who are in Ottawa determine my peace, my joy. You're disobedient to the government or disobedient to God, and take your pick. This summer, embark on an unforgettable exploration through Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity, a documentary that will inspire and challenge your perceptions. Experience their remarkable stories, a testament to the indomitable human spirit and the power of faith. That's the trailer for our brand new documentary, Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity. You can get details and showtimes at savethechristians.com. But I wanted to have my filmmaking partner on that project, our head of documentaries, Kian Simone, on the show with me today to talk about, you know, the finishing touches that we've put on the documentary and how... We're trying our best to bring it to a town near you. So joining me now in an interview, well, we just finished recording, <laughs> is my friend and colleague and documentary partner, Kian Simone. Take a listen. So joining me now is my friend and colleague, chief documentary filmmaker here at Rebel News and my frequent travel partner, Kian Simone, to discuss the finishing touches he's put on our brand new documentary and uh, the launch. So we're taking it on the road and we want everybody out there to join us. Uh, Kian, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you recently wrapped up our documentary Tell us a little bit about, I, I guess, for people who are just finding out about the documentary, and I don't know how you could just be finding out about the documentary, but let's go <laughs> back a step and tell people about our brand new documentary. Well, thank you for having me on, first off. Uh, second, yeah, so we uh, just wrapped up Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity, which is about, um, well, it, I'd like to say it's about uh, the persecution Christians faced 
um, during COVID-19 um, from congregations to the pastors to the, just the church itself. Um, but really it's like a, it's like a 10, 10 year, eight year come back to what, how it started and how it evolved and what it looked like and it, uh, what it looked like during COVID. And uh, yeah, we, we really touch on, on almost everything, almost everything we can. Yeah. We, everything we could fit into an hour and a half. That was the thing is like, how do you fit a decade long creeping attack on Christian churches? How do you fit that into 90 minutes? But I think we did a pretty good job. Um, and, and part of, I think the documentary was pointing out that this didn't just happen in a bubble or in a vacuum, that it started sort of when Justin Trudeau took power and it was all these little picky things at, um, you know, fringing on people's religious freedoms to get to where we are chaining up churches and throwing pastors in jail. It didn't just happen overnight. It was a, a slow burn that I think a lot of Canadians didn't pay attention to. Yeah, when I was uh, editing our intro and we kind of touch on, uh, when, when you touch on exactly that, I was uh, looking for some China B-roll b-roll for what people don't know is just kind of the footage you put over top of someone else talking and uh i saw these news clips from like 20 years not even 20 years like 15 years ago 10 years ago of uh police shutting down churches and you hear the chinese translator saying um yeah a church is not essential and uh your church is now closed like you cannot go to church anymore because x y and z and it was like the exact same wording that politicians in canada used and that was like I mean, I was already kind of, uh, what do the kids say now, red-pilled about the whole thing. Um, but just hearing that again while being at like the end of the step of the documentary, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is real. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it was like for me too, because just before COVID lockdowns hit the churches, because COVID never actually hit the churches, <laughs> COVID lockdowns hit the churches just before then, uh, in late 2019, I had just come back from Northern Iraq. Um and for me, that sort of weaponized my heart against persecution of uh, not just Christians, but the religious uh, people of faith, um, because I had seen the end stages of a genocide. Um, and again, it didn't just get there. It started with these little nitpicky rules where you all after, you know, a, a decade or so you end up with ISIS using your church steeple as a sniper's nest it did that doesn't just happen overnight but for me or in ottawa as a as a weed store or as what we saw we're like is that a church no that's a weed store <laughs> but um you know it, it and for me too like the faith of the christians to not just survive the genocide in northern iraq but insist on remaining to not buckle to, to know that, you know, there will be the next genocide and the next genocide and the next genocide because there always is there, but they won't leave. They, they must stay. That sort of hardened my heart um, and left me with a certain, uh, I don't want to say disgust, but maybe that is the right word, uh, disdain for Christians here who we got a pretty good here. And... So many churches were scared of Teresa Tam or Dina Hinshaw or Jason Kenney 
or Bonnie Henry. And I had just come freshly back from people who had survived ISIS. <laughs> and the Christians here were scared of Dina Hinshaw. Um, and I, w- I, I tried not to have that bleed into the documentary, but it might have just a little bit. Well, I mean, it, it, it has to, right? Like it, like you said in the documentary, and like you just said before, it's that it's, it is that slow burn. It's that, what's that other analogy? It's the frog in the hot, the frog uh, hot, hot water. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it really is. And it's not a overblown statement at all. And like, like I'm not even Christian and I, I see it so full. Like I see it so clearly. It's, uh, I, I think other people will see it too when they watch the documentary. You know, that's a, you just made a really good point that you're not even Christian. I'm not even the same denomination as any of this, these pastors. I think that's an important point to make is that um, well, for people who are not religious, um, there's something in this for you because they always come for the churches first. They come for the people who uh, have a loyalty beyond the state and then they get rid of those people. But then they come for you too, eventually, whatever it is that you are doing that runs afoul of the state. After all the conscientious objectors are gone, they're coming for you too. Um, and so while this is a documentary about people of faith who stood up to the state and paid some pretty severe consequences for it. And, you know, it, it, it is framed by my Christian worldview. This is a documentary for anybody who wants to see the history of the tyranny in Canada over the last, well, 10 years, but specifically three years that the mainstream media and the politicians want us to forget. That's, and that's exactly how I edited it. Um, It's not about Christian pastors who stood up. It's about people who stood up for you Mm -hmm. and you can watch it as a Christian and and be horrified by what happened to their church. And, or you could watch it as someone like me who could see that and be like, Oh, you know, that's uh that's really bad, but it's not the worst thing ever. And, and it, but you can still see how it's like awful. And you see that these people are, are standing up for people who are atheists. They're people, they're standing up for Muslims. They're standing up for the Jewish. They're standing up for everybody. Um, and that's kind of what the thing that I wanted to portray of, of, you know, how I edited what they're saying and how they say it. And it's, uh, it works. Yeah. And one of the things that I did when I was asking questions of the pastors and thank you for letting me do that. Cause this is your, like, this is your artistic vision, baby. But one thing I asked the pastors, I tried to ask them the same, you know, eight or 10 questions because I wanted to point out that they would likely give many different answers. Uh, ultimately, they gave a lot of the same answers. <laughs> um, but I wanted to point Which out- Which was also weird. Like it was not weird in a good way. Yeah, it was weird in a good way. But I wanted to point out that they were all different. They were all different denominations, very different styles, all of them. Um, different, different, you know, belief systems sometimes. Um, but none of that mattered when it came to the state. And that was a lot of the criticisms you, you saw of some of the pastors. They would say, well, Pastor Arch, he's too fiery. And maybe Pastor Hildebrandt, he's just a little different. He's different to look at. He talks a little different. Those people might be a little bit weird, you know, on the outside looking in. I don't think that I think they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. But those are the criticisms or, you know, maybe, you know, Pastor Phil uh, Hutchins, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's just strange. Um, It didn't matter because they were all really different, you know, and we saw that here in Alberta with uh, Pastor James Coates and Tim Stevens. Like 
the nicest, calmest, kindest, bookish guys you'll ever meet, they were being locked up the same way the firebrand pastors were. And um, I I really wanted to frame my questions to point that out. And I think it comes across in your editing uh, in talking to the men, different demeanors, different styles, but they gave a lot of the same answers when it came down to being um, obedient to God above the state. That was really the one theme that went through everything. Well, it's it, it was interesting to go back and look at like someone like Pastor Art Pawlowski, but the way that it kind of it, it evolved for him was it didn't start off with like uh, ripping the mask up. It didn't start with um, just like the the metaphorical middle finger to the government. It was like, no, I'm just trying to feed the homeless. That's literally all I'm trying to do. Um, and then it just evolved into then I kept pushing on that. And then you go over to Pastor Tobias, who kept his church home for, I think it was like a month. And then like, they were just like, what? Like, And then they didn't, obviously didn't see the, the people dropping dead or whatever from COVID. So they're like, okay, let's like go back into church slowly. Like we need to gather people aren't gathering enough. We need to come together. And this is the time that we need to be together. And then his dad passed away. So they had a funeral for his father. And that was when the RCMP first showed up. And like, you can kind of see how that would, I don't want to say radicalize somebody, but like, yeah, radicalize somebody into, into like a, into a good um, weight, into a good frame of mind to to actually stand up to something that is wrong. And, And you can see that none of them did anything terrible all they did was exactly what um their faith calls them to do which is just church (laughs) yeah i mean to use a some biblical framing the scales fell away from his eyes when the rcmp showed up at his dad's funeral outdoors um and i would lose my mind i would too (laughs) too. (laughs) um there were points at which uh during my mother's funeral i thought i could just do something right now and the rcmp could come Again, like I had, <laughs> I had those intrusive thoughts. Um, uh, but, um, you know, you see this also with Pastor Tracy and Rodney, where they did their best to follow the rules until such time as the rules made absolutely no sense. And they did their best to go along with the government while still keeping up those guardrails. Like, yes, you can definitely come and inspect our church. Just not while Pastor Rodney is on the pulpit and people are praying. And you can't run around like maniacs in the room where the little children are. They were doing their best to comply with the government. The government was not doing the best that the government could do to respect their religious freedoms. I can uh, share something on that, actually, too. I was uh, I was in back and forth with Tracy about um, just sending me videos of what was happening like at the time just so I can put it over top of when you guys are talking and cut up the clips and stuff like that. And I had this really long, like, I don't know, it was like an eight minute weirdly chopped up clip. And it was like from a cell phone, like vertical. And I was like, Oh, Tracy, come on. So I'm like going through it. And then um, I realized that it wasn't Tracy's cell phone footage. And I was like, who shot this? And I was like, it's not a congregant. It's not like a protester or it's, this is the health inspector's phone footage. Yeah. One in my head, I was like, how the hell do I have that? But two, like, how does, how, how the heck did she have that? Um, two, I was watching through it and it is literally the footage from the health inspector knocking on the church. Like you can see the phone in the hand and then you see Tracy come out and she's like holding it up as if it's like some, you know, I mean, I guess recording does protect you. So you can, I can see why she did that. And then, um, 
Tracy's like, no, you can't come in right now. Um, like she was in, uh, the health inspector was like 40 minutes early when they start at nine, she came at eight 20. And then Tracy's like, no, we actually do start at eight. Like when people start to show up is when we start, um, you know, talking and, and praying and stuff like that. And so the health inspector's like, okay, next week I'll come at 7am. And Tracy just laughs. And she's like, you don't know, <laughs> you don't have to come. And, uh, and then she's like, well, I'll just stand in the back and, and I'll just take my pictures and I'll, and I'll do my things. And she's like, no, you won't. Like, you're, you're not, you're, you're not going to do that. And then, um, the health inspector is like, so someone showed up late in the video. They're walking in without a mask. And she like calls that out. She's like, aren't they uh, interrupting your service because they're showing up late? And Tracy's like, no, they're, they're, they're part of the church. They can come in whatever time they want. And then the health inspector, like, she kind of gets all like, sassy or whatever and she's like well this doesn't happen at my church my church wouldn't have a problem with this and then walks away and then the video ends i was like i it was literally as a filmmaker and as an editor it was it is gold footage like it's it's likely the my favorite part of the documentary and it's just such a small part of having that footage from the health inspector i don't know it's just so cool yeah the health inspector i was in court and she testified something very similar she said well my church complied great that's why you're that denomination and that's why tracy (laughs) is her denomination that's the beauty of christianity if this one doesn't fit you you can go to the next one and we don't all have to believe the same as the health inspector who fancies herself to be some sort of theologian i suppose (laughs) um yeah and it was funny to see that sort of attitude brought into court it was something that you saw happening online people saying well why can't they just comply you know who i bet she's related to Hmm. i think she's related to the cop that arrested tim stevens outside his house where he's like giving bible quotes to him uh, render unto what is caesar's what is caesar's or and tim's like what the heck are you talking about (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's funny how he didn't like quote the second part of that quote. So render and to God, Caesar. what is God's? Yeah, exactly. So it's actually <laughs> restraining order against Caesar. Like that's yours. The church is not yours. Um, and but people who are unfamiliar with the Bible will use it to their own devices, as we saw over and over and over again during COVID. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on the show now that we've had our little chitty chat is that the documentary is completely finished. It's gorgeous. I think it's one of the greatest things we've ever done. I'm so proud of it. Um, and not just because I'm very passionate on this issue, but I, I think it is cinematic and beautiful. And um, you took such such care and skill in telling the stories of the pastors. And I think it is important work because the other side of this is all of a sudden saying we want an amnesty for what we've done. Maybe you do. Maybe you want that. Maybe you might even get that. Maybe I might even be a good Christian and forget it. But you also need to live with what you've done. You need to see Mm -hmm. what you've done to these people before I can forgive you for it. Um, And I think that that is why this this documentary is so important. Um, But it's completely done and we're taking it on a tour, which is something we've never done before. I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I just want to back up to that point that sure, you made please. about um, like they have to live with this. It's part of the historical record now. Um, and I did two things with the documentary to kind of uh, physicalize that. I'm, I'm running out of words here. Um, one of them, I took out everything that is timely. So anything that someone who was kept up with this um, 
kept up with the phenomena of, of the whole thing that happened. I cut out a lot of the stuff that um, is kind of like an insights, like only that those people would know. So that now when my kid watches this, like he will be able to understand everything that happened. Like there's nothing that um, you don't need to Google anything after. It's, it's very to the point and it's very, the story is like, it's, it's full. And secondly, the way that I um, colored it, which I, I just, I'd love to tell everybody now, um, is that I did it by accident when I was trying to, I made this beautiful cinematic, like perfect shadow, perfect dark, perfect color. Everything was good. And then my finger slipped and I put this like weird glow onto it, which I've never used before. And, and then um, the light, like the software took the light in Pastor Archer's room and like put light rays on him. I was like, whoa, that's like, it, it just felt like I added some like God to it. Yeah. Um, and then all, but it also put this like halation around him where it felt like it was a dream. But because I already had it all dark, it felt like a bad dream. It was like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I just started applying that to you. I applied that to Henry Hildebrandt and I just looked at it. And I was like the whole documentary now. Like it, it kind of looks like a, a dream. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want. Yeah. And when in 10 years, five years, when someone watches this, like they'll be able to look at it and just feel that how COVID was a bad dream. Cause no matter where you stood on the issue, it was, it was a bad dream for everybody yeah. and it will be. So yeah. And we're taking it on tour. Sorry and to um, backtrack tour. <laughs> there. We are going to Calgary twice, Toronto, Ottawa, Regina, Steinbeck, Manitoba, St. John, Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. And BC in August. Yes. But we haven't booked that one yet, but we can share that. Yes. So BC also in August. It's a grueling uh, travel schedule as it tends to be (laughs) for you and I, but we want to make sure that we bring the documentary as close to the congregations who participated in the documentary um, because their communities were affected by this. And we, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're really honoring uh, their contributions, not just to our documentary, but to the liberty and freedom of all Canadians. So um, that's that's why we're doing it. And we've got somebody very interested in helping us show it in um, in BC. But we've also had some trouble <laughs> finding venues uh, because of the subject matter. So I, I find this fascinating because these are um, places that will show like gore, depravity, hedonism. Um, you just can't show what the government did to churches. Yeah, they they show the um, the, the movies about um, that like glorify, not glorify, but that talk about slavery, and it's just like n words dropping here and there in a cineplex, and I'm like, do you don't like you, I know you don't call the director and say like you can't say that in a movie, which like if the movie's about that like whatever say it but like don't come to us and say you know you can't show that here because of its content like the like you're it this doesn't make any sense um but i will i will say that and i'll totally call them out i have no problem doing it cineplex and landmark cinemas both agreed to take on our documentary um cineplex bc and um landmark in all of ontario and I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, a, like, I'll take that. And then they both sent an email with, and they both said, we'll give you the 10 a.m. show. I'm like, who goes to the movie at 10? Not even a, a, a child on a, who's staying home from sick goes to see Super Mario Bro at 10 a.m. Nobody goes to a movie then. 
And that was a kind of way of saying like, yeah, we'll respect free speech, but uh, we'll, we'll limit you to the, to the absolute max. Yeah. So I'll frame those emails, but I won't be showing our movie there. Just wow. You know, that, that's yeah. like, you know, when they, the old Twitter, like when they would let you publish things on Twitter, but no one could find you. <laughs> yeah. Completely shadow banned. They're like, well, look, you have free speech. I guess, but I'm yelling into a void. Uh, it's, it's this <laughs> sort of same thing. And um, we should tell everybody you can uh, get tickets and showtime details and see the incredible trailer at savethechristians.com. It's all available there. Um, and there's also, we have some licensing opportunities that we're considering there also. So if you miss our in-person showings, there are other ways that you could see it, bring it to your own congregation or your own, you know, civil liberties group, whatever we're, we're working on that. We're tweaking the fine details, but we want to make sure that this gets in front of as many eyeballs as possible, because as you say, it's part of the historical record. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you just wrapped it all up right there. And um, I, I, okay, go ahead. I'll show no, I, no, it's all you. I was just going to say, and we should let everybody know that this is not our last documentary. <laughs> it might be our best one to date, I think, but it's not our last documentary. We've already started work on the next one. I think we're not quite ready yet to tell everybody what it is, but uh, I just want to let everybody know that we're already working hard behind the scenes again on that grueling travel schedule. <laughs> and that's why it's a grueling traveling schedule because we got to wrap up this documentary in all of July so we can work on the next one all of August. Yeah, so the next one starts all of August. Um, so we'll be traveling around um, working on the next documentary and hopefully, so we'll launch that one in the fall. So everybody at home, stay tuned. We'll have details. And I think we're going to do it much the same way where we'll give out perks um, for people who want to pitch in uh, so that people can get sort of invested in the work that we are doing because it really is telling the stories of all Canadians. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, one, it still wasn't a mistake, but one thing I think I learned from this was um, I like the fact that we're kind of starting this before we announce it. Just so when, when, when people do um, or, or do get interested in the perks that they can actually see something, they can see something that we've done so that uh, it's not just our word against which, which I mean, I, we're going to do it, but it's, I think it'd be cool to have something be like, this is what we're doing, but we also want to mm -hmm. keep doing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not just selling a dream. We're, we're already. Exactly. That's what I was yet. trying to say. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm the narrator of the documentary. <laughs> I'm the wordsmith. You're the visual guy. Um, Kian, I, I know that uh, you've got work to do today and so do I, but I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for working so hard on this documentary. Um, it, I think it's your best work to date. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's our best work to date. Mm. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll, uh, I'll talk to you later today. I mean, we work together. Okay. So. Yeah. I'll talk <laughs> to you in an hour. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bye again. Bye. Well, we've come to the portion of the show, as always, where we invite your viewer feedback because without you, there is no Rebel News. So we want to hear from you. Unlike the mainstream media, we don't leave our comment section closed up like Fort Knox. We want to have a lively, civilized debate in the comment section or, you know, 
we want to hear if you <laughs> like what we're doing or if you hate it. It's one of the reasons why I give out my email address right now. It's Sheila at rebelnews.com. Let me know what you think. Put gun show letters in the subject line so that it's easier for me to find. I do get sometimes upwards of a hundred or hundreds of emails per day. <laughs> so that just helps me sort through them. But also don't hesitate to leave a comment on you know, whatever platform you're watching the free version of the show on YouTube or Rumble, sometimes they go looking over there. Tonight's letter comes to us from a lady named Joanne, and it's on last week's show that I did with my friend, David Menzies. And we were talking about the war on parents that seems to be happening down at school board meetings. Now, this is a phenomenon that's happening, I think, across the civilized Western world, but it really is focused in Ontario, in Ottawa, you know, in Toronto, Halton, where there are these attempts to shut parents out of any conversation around what should be taught to their children in school. It seems to be focused around transgender issues and gender theory, but I think that's just the flashpoint. I think there has been for quite some time this pervasive problem with teachers and people in the education system thinking that they're co-parents and that even though they are employees of the state paid for by the taxpayer, ultimately the parent, they think that they should have some rights to infect your children with their ideology and you don't get to say in it. And uh, that's outrageous. It's it's happened long before now. I think this is just the breaking point for a lot of people. Joanne writes, Sheila, I'm a teacher in small town Alberta watching the gun show from a couple of days ago with the legendary David Menzies, thinking that you are completely right, except I'm waiting for you to mention the approved sex education curriculum that Alberta teachers are required to teach. I've linked it below, but anyone can just Google Alberta sex education and you'll get the official site. My principal sent it to all teachers with the lesson plans and resources and the inclusive language we are required to use in the classroom, like pregnant person, assigned at birth, etc. Please look at the teacher and parent portals. It's not just Ontario that has a problem with this. Oh, I, I, I completely agree with you, but I'll preface that at the end of this. And it's not just incompetent woke school board members who are pushing it. Gender ideology indoctrination is here in Alberta, created and sanctioned by Alberta Health and idiot teachers that are giddily lapping it up. I also appreciate you immensely. Thank you for the work that you do, Joanne. And then she linked it there. And I'll actually link that in the show notes. Um, but you know what, Joanne? I First of all, I want to thank you because <laughs> you are a good teacher grinding away in the mechanisms of the machine and the machine is evil and it wants to infect kids with a mind poison. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are in the system as probably difficult as it is for you because we need people like you protecting children like mine inside the system and uh, resisting it in any way possible while still... <laughs> you know, maintaining your employment. You still have kids to feed to and uh, bills to pay. So let me just say that while you appreciate me, I very much appreciate you. You are a, an absolute essential part of this. And it's got to be very difficult for you to be inside all of that, just seeing the madness swirling around you. Now, I have read the Alberta sex ed curriculum. It's kooky. Uh, it's not great. Um, and 
you know, it's it's written by activists very clearly. It uses weird language that erases women, <laughs> which the feminists seem to be okay about. But I should point out to you, now I don't know if this is the same in your school system and and it might not be. And a, a thanks to the prickly parents <laughs> and the very orthodox Catholics in my school system. But while the sex ed curriculum is taught in our schools, we were given the opportunity to opt out entirely. And we were also given the assurances that whatever the province wanted our teachers to teach, it would be taught through a very specific Catholic lens with a focus on abstinence and respecting your body because it is a temple of the Holy Spirit created in the image of the divine and that it would maintain Catholic teaching as the teachers instructed the sex ed curriculum with a strong focus on biology and um, and Catholic doctrine. So I was given that in my school system. I don't know if that's like that in other school systems and kudos to the teachers inside our school system who advocated for making sure that sex ed was taught through the Catholic lens that we hope it will be because that's why we send our kids to Catholic school and strong thanks to the parents who ensured that that was the case. But without those two, you know, groups coming together for the kids, I don't think that would have been the case in my school system. So I think the moral of the story there is good teachers join hands with good parents to protect the kids from the activists. Um, and it can be done. So I, I don't want to say which school system my kids go to, but I, I was very glad, very glad that that was the case. And I've run up against some activist teachers in that school system. I know they're there too, but they seem to be losing because other people are rising up. So I, I'm really happy about that. And um, I think that's it. <laughs> I even read the email. Actually, I think I read it on the live stream that I received um, from my daughter's school assuring me that everything would be taught through a Catholic lens. So um, it can be done. It can be. <laughs> I guess the moral of the story is it, it can be done. It's just not often done. Um, and it's time for parents to get involved. And um, if there are brave teachers inside the system grinding it out, thank you. I, I appreciate you so much. I know it's a terrible job that you have to do. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same space next week. And as always, remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>